Welcome to Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we're here to discuss Farscape Season 4, Episode 6. Natural election. Okay, here's the thing about Season 4 that I did not remember. A bunch of boring bullshit filler? When are we gonna get to the fireworks factory? And by fireworks factory, I mean Kansas. Or, lacking that, next week... With John Quixote. Yeah, a, I noticed it was a some wacky shit episode from the preview image. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. I mean, it's fine. Whatever. But this episode's some boring filler about a plant. Again, this is one of those things where I say it, and it's usually true, but, like, you can look down right now and see if it's true or not at your podcast catcher. Uh, but I feel like there's going to be a short one because... Nothing goddamn happens in this nothing episode. Nothing goddamn happens. You know what, though? Dargo's pretty cool in this episode. This is like one of my favorite Dargos, I think. Okay. I. You don't remember because it was nothing surrounded happen- by so much fluff. It's like all it's this... It's like the lava episode. It lifts right out. All this insulation that didn't let you see how cool Dargo is. Also, I just... the uh, The title, Natural Election... I feel like is in reference to the fact that last episode, Pilot told them that they needed to figure out who was going to be captain. They needed to elect a captain so that Pilot didn't have like 12 people yelling at him all the time. He knew or, you know, he still would, but he would know which one to listen to. Mm -hmm. And it shows up for like five seconds at the end of the episode. Well, the election does. Yes. But I think mostly the fact is they haven't done such an election and instead they're like taking turns to rule like last season on what we do in the shadows where so i know you don't watch what we do in the shadows anymore Mm. but last season the household the vampire household became the high council of i don't know if it was the new york area if it was all of america but they became that high council and they just took turns being in charge every day Naja and nandor did but every day one of them would change what the other one had done the day before so it's just back and forth and that's kind of what's happening on this ship it's rigel's turn to be in charge it's a rigel day as they would say on it's always sunny in philadelphia yeah but everyone's just kind of ignoring him john has smelled a wormhole incoming and everyone's like, is that a thing he can do now? He can smell wormholes. Yeah, I guess he can smell wormholes. Okay, yes, sure. It's whatever. in his head. And then he does this thing where he's like doing the countdown. He's like, wormhole incoming in 10, 9. He, no, he's no, doing he's, it in Spanish. Oh. He's doing, yeah, he's doing it in Spanish. And Darko says something, which this I think is the most interesting part of the episode. He he mentions John ha- switching to a different accent, and I really like the idea that when you speak a different language from your planet, they kind of do a, you're still speaking in a translated, you know, accurately translated way, but with a different accent to reflect the general region or whatever. Right, because he's got translator microbes, so it doesn't matter what he's speaking, but yeah, the translator microbes are like, okay. How to convey that he thinks he's being cute by speaking another language. Accents! That's what we'll do. Accents. I also like the fact that Sokozu seems genuinely excited that he's speaking in a different language. Which makes sense because she doesn't have translator microbes. She's like, ooh, new stuff to learn. Also, she's very intelligent. She's like into that ooh, new stuff to learn thing. So the wormhole doesn't open up immediately after the end of John's countdown. So everyone assumes it didn't work. I really like that. I like that he's like, three, two, one. One! Nothing. 
And so Aaron... Co- well, it reminds me of our old thing from Once Upon a Time. Oh, it didn't work immediately. I guess that means it didn't work at all. Yes, you were always like, just give it a second for the magic to work. Jesus Christ. But Aaron comes up and is like, hey, do you want to talk about the fact that I'm pregnant? And John's like, yeah, I very much do. There's really only one thing in the world that could distract me from the fact that you're pregnant. Wormhole. Yeah, wormhole opens. And, okay, when the wormhole opens, Chiana, like runs over and hugs him and she's like hanging on him she's kind of groping his underbelly i kind of feel like chiana i know chiana and john have always been physically affectionate but i feel like lately they've been a lot more physically affectionate i think it might have something to do with the whole like i don't think it speaks well to john but i think he's he's leaning into that as it were because he feels so insecure with his relationship with aaron given everything that's happened So the wormhole immediately barfs out some weird plant stuff or whatever that starts enveloping the ship. Everyone's freaking out. Star Trek falling all over the place. Yeah, although I do appreciate that they gave the Rigel puppet a dramatic moment that I think actually works. Where Rigel looks out and is like, what happened to the stars? Mm. Where are the stars? Because they're completely encapsulated in the plant thing right now. Yep. This is the thing that's wrong with the ship this episode that we're going to have to be dealing with. I was going to mention how you've like totally sensitized me to how many episodes, not just of this show, but of all sci-fi are like, something's wrong with the ship. <laughs> Glass shattering noise, to quote uh, How, how I, I Met Your mother. mother. Yeah. So many episodes of so much sci-fi stuff is just, X is wrong with the ship. How do we fix X? Which makes sense, because if you don't fix X, it's going to die. But it does sort of feel like you only have a couple of plots or rather you have this one plot thing that you feel like you need to fall back on all the time for drama. Now in fairness to X is wrong with the ship. We need to fix X. Mm -hmm. There's an amazing episode of strange new worlds. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Strange new worlds is really good by the way. Like y'all listening to this strange new worlds might I don't want to say that. It's too soon. There's there's too much recency bias. Okay, take take into account the fact that there's recency bias, and then let me tell you, Strange New Worlds might be my favorite Star Trek now. It's really good. Anyway. And it's no lower decks. Unpopular Opinions 2022. Okay, okay. Let me back up for a second. Yes. I was about to say... Maybe the next podcast we do, because we're, we're we're a quarter of the way through season four, and that's the last season of this show. Maybe the next podcast we do should be Welcome to Strange New Worlds, just so I can make you watch Strange New Worlds. But actually, Welcome to Lower Decks would be pretty great. Yes. Also, I want to point out this episode, this this podcast is you making me listen to a, uh, or watch a sci-fi show. Yeah, I thought that was the core of our relationship, and that's why when this one's over, I'll... T- well, I, I mean, our listeners all know that the next thing we're going to do is welcome to the Q Continuum, so... That is accurate, which uh, we will get to talk about Lower Decks. I know he's only in them for, like, a second. But we still have to talk about that episode, because it's amazing. Also, we're gonna... Oh. We're gonna have to talk about Picard. Oh, I was gonna say, we're gonna have to talk about My Little Pony. I think, yeah, but I don't think we're gonna do individual episodes of My Little Pony. We'll no, just we'll do... just do the one where he showed up and was Q. Oh, does he only show up in one? No, I know he's a reoccurring character from that Jenny Nicholson documentary. Yeah, that's the only reason I know that as well. I know she, I know he's a reoccurring character, but I feel like we could just watch the first episode where he shows up and is Q. 
Oh, I got you. Okay, so My Little Pony Friendship is Magic is one of those shows that, like, should have appealed to me, but I just couldn't get into it. I think maybe because it was too frenetic. I saw a few episodes with my college girlfriend, and it's fine. It's not one of those kids shows that, like, really grabs your attention. It's, I mean, obviously that's not true for everyone. It was massively popular back in the day. But, like, I don't know. I, I felt weird watching it. I felt very, this is not for me, which I feel like is the uh, correct thing if you're a, you know, adult male. Like, it's Wait, okay. No. It's okay to enjoy it as long as you don't make it about you. Okay. So, I was going to say, though, that we would, we'll probably do one episode about all of My Little Pony Friendship is Magic, like, about all of the John Delancey stuff in uh, there. Do we have to watch a bunch of it? Can't we just watch the first episode he shows up and it'd be like, and that probably goes on or whatever. Oh, you think that's bad? I think we need to do an episode about Days of Our Lives. Does he show up as Q on Days of Our Lives? Okay, so his run on Days of Our Lives predates his run as Q, Mm -hmm. but it's like he has weird mystical stuff going on and I feel like it's really easy to headcanon that he's Q. And also, also his character has like, Stuff going on with, uh, what's her name's character? You know who I mean. The one that Harley Quinn is based on. Uh, Arlene Sorkin? Yeah. Yeah, there's magical stuff going on with the two of them. So, by the way, just FYI, on Days of Our Lives, and I'm not a soap person, so I only learned this because I was talking about Q with someone who's both a sci-fi person and a soap person, and she filled me in about this. Mm. But, like... Days of Our Lives has a whole subplot that you can read as a nerd as a Q slash Harley Quinn plot. So just throw that out there. Anyway. Well, I I know there was a thing in Passions where like one of the main characters is canonically Tabitha from Bewitched. Not just that. One of the main characters is Tabitha. Yeah. And like her mother is Samantha and her grandmother is uh, Andorra. Like that's her. Her name is Andorra. Yeah, like, were they just not afraid of being sued? Guess but, not. Because, like, that seems nuts to me that you can just be like, oh, by the way, our uh, our supernatural soap opera is just going to straight up rip off one of the most famous magical girl stories in history. Well, I mean... I know that's a weird way to describe Bewitched, but it's totally true. Bewitched inspired a lot of things that became magical girl Oh, no, I wasn't going to disagree with that. I I was, uh, my I mean was because, you know, I just recently finished the first part of a fanfic that I then scraped the serial numbers off of that's really just Full House if it was explicitly gay. Yes. Uh, my next one is going to be Bewitched if it was explicitly gay with the, with the numbers, you know, filed off. Yeah. So... I guess I'm saying that much like the creators of Passions, I am not afraid of the legal team behind the hit show Bewitched. That wasn't my point. My point was in Strange New Worlds, there's an episode where just all these things keep going wrong. And one of the characters is like, space is really trying to kill us. And that's the thing about space. It's really trying to kill humans all the time. There are lots and lots and lots of ways to die in space. So in fairness to the there's something wrong with the ship, we have to fix the ship plots. Yeah, it's this very thin metal or biomechanical, in this case, shield against crushing death. I mean, it's just really an update of old sailing stories, which are it's the same general concept. The sea also wants to kill us. Yeah, like, 
everything is about maintaining this wooden structure that is the very, very small thing between us and total crushing death. You know, there's a lot of environments that just really try to kill humans. And I think it's a testament to something about humanity that we are naturally inclined to explore, given how much every other atmosphere wants to kill us all the time. I mean, that's a little bit of the premise of Star Trek, from what I am given to understand. But, like you just said, that's also the premise of old sailing stories. Yeah. And also, like, old exploring ships. No, I mean, like, in reality. Yeah. We should actually talk about Farscape, though. Okay, but the exploratory nature of humans that being, like, the core of goodness inside of us is so much more interesting than anything that happens in this episode. It's a very generous read on a... I feel like a lot of the need to explore was driven by, hey, we need more exploitable resources. <sighs> Fucking capitalism. Anyway, Rigel's trying to gain control of the ship and Gianna just smacks him right in the face. Yeah, he's like, y'all should be listening to me. I'm the one who's the captain now. And, and Gianna's G- like, you were the captain when it was a fun little game, but now that shit's going down. Yeah, and John's still speaking in Spanish and... Pilot's like, John, why are you doing that? And he's like, (laughs) But yeah, something hit the ship. I wonder if it's some sort of plant thing that's going to start eating the metal. Yep, yep. And that's the thing. They're like, how did we hit something? We weren't moving. Although this is, I wish this got played up with more, but it is kind of an echo of what happened with John in literally the first episode of the show. Yeah, yeah. That's true. A wormhole opened up, something shot out of the wormhole and crashed into someone. That's like how this show started. But it doesn't really, outside of it being what happened in the first episode, there's not really any narrative parallels in this episode. So, I mean, given where we're going with this season, this could have been a great episode if they'd played up those parallels. Because, I mean, this season is about... What happens when John finally gets home? But anyway, that's both misleading and spoilery. Okay. So it seems ev- weird to be both. Yeah, and yet it is, and yet it is. I I kind of implied that the second, like the back half of this season, is like Battlestar nineteen eighty, which it definitely isn't. Uh, that's the that's the show that followed Battlestar Galactica. Uh-huh. Or not Battlestar nineteen eighty. I think it was called Galacti- Galactica nineteen eighty. Where they end up on Earth, and it's just, like, the crew on Earth trying to hide that they're aliens for a season. Wow, that sounds like a really bad concept it's for a show. such a bad show. It's, like, unwatchable. Anyway. They check in with Scorpius real quick, and Scorpius's freezer tubes are all over the floor, and he's like, I'm physically fine, but I would be, I would like to be let out of my cell. And John's like, haha, no. Where's Grandma? Is lunch lady okay? What's the witch up to? And she's lying on the floor of the kitchen with her uh, third eye blinking weird colors. Yeah. We learn from Pilot that this plant has taken over basically the whole ship. It feels like Moya's hull is on fire, like it's burning up. Also... All of the sensors are completely nullified. We see a DRD that's all tangled in the brush of the uh, yeah. plant. And basically, if there's if there's anything wrong with the ship, I mean, other than the fact that it's being eaten alive by a plant, if there's anything wrong with the ship, 
Moya's not going to know because all of her sensors have been taken out. So everybody's kind of going around the perimeter to make sure that everything is okay. So there's a fire in Scorpius's cell and Sokozu immediately runs, you know, in to put the fire out. And Shiana pulls a gun on her and she's like, what are you doing? And Sokozu's like, I'm putting out a fire. And Shiana's like, it seems like you're trying to help him escape. And Sokozu's like, Shiana, fire is bad and fire on spaceship is extra bad. I don't want to die in space, so I'm going to go into that room and put out the fire. Do you want to die in space? And Shiana has this weird, like, sexy, threatening conversation with her about, if I see you doing anything that makes me think that you're going to free Scorpius, I'm going to sex murder you. And Scorpius is like, if you think I'm the one that set the fire, I'm very good at setting fires, because look, there's another fire over there. And Shiana looks around and she's like, ah, little fires everywhere. Like that book, little fires everywhere. God. So, it's actually a really good book. So John is wearing his Tron coat. Yeah, I don't know which peacekeeper he took this coat off of, but it's got like white piping that's practically glow in the dark. Yeah. I like I like the collar on the coat. I think the glowing thing. I thought it looked cool at first and then I kind of turned around on it. It's not bad. It's just it looked really cool at first glance and then it was just kind of eh. It's a lot. It's a lot. So Dargo has a plan to deal with the plant. He's going to take Lolan since now he's using the ship all the goddamn time for everything. Well, I mean, he's got a ship that works. I would use it all the goddamn time for everything too. I guess if Except if you've that got it's a disgusting. Ha- yes, if you've got a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So John needs to help him out with the thing, but again, it only responds to Dargo's DNA, so Dargo has to jerk off into John's hands. Is that too gross? Should I take that over again? No, that's what happens! I mean, that's not exactly what happens, but I just... How did this... Farscape each... You know what? The thing I was about to say is a lie. Farscape became a hardcore space porno so slowly (laughs) I never even noticed it happening. But, I mean, that's a lie, right? Like... I've been saying since day one that this is the horniest show on TV. Yeah, so John mentions how much, as his hands are covered in Dargo goo, he mentions how much he hates Dargo's ship. I I just, it's so weird to me that Dargo's plan is, hey, I'm going to take my ship out and we're going to shoot Moya a little bit, just enough to kill all the plants. We're just going to shoot her a little bit. Oh, I thought you were going to say the weird thing is that for some reason he thinks he needs John for this. I think what Dargo needs is an excuse to jerk off in John's hands. Yeah, that's fair. This does seem like the sort of thing he should be able to handle by himself. Handle? Yeah. So, Aaron's giving Pilot a pep talk, and Pilot's like, Aaron, I know that every season some crap happens to Moya so that she can't be running at full capacity. Uh, that's what's happening here. Uh, also, I'm going to need you to, like, kill me if it goes too far. Yeah, I mean, if if too much of her skin is damaged, she'll die, just like any other, you know... Being. Being. And Aaron's like, hey, yeah, that was like that thing that was happening with me last episode, I get it. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> this also happened last episode. John's like, wait, so your plan is to just go out and shoot the plant? And Dargo's like, do you have a better plan? John says no, so that's the plan. I appreciate absent stark that they're like yep i guess we'll just shoot at things and i I feel like they're cutting out the middleman here because the plans always go to hell and then they end up just shooting things anyway so yeah so aaron is having a very awkward conversation with chiana uh she she's not turning off a vent because it 
radiates or it has like radiation in the steam or whatever that can be damaging to you and she was like that's never stopped you before and aaron does not say the thing that i was thinking which was that's before i watched john die of radiation poisoning before my eyes but no she does say that was before i was pregnant and chad is like oh my god who's the dad and aaron's like i don't know i haven't dna tested it yet and i really thought this was going to be her doing a thing where she could have a conversation with John without having a conversation with John. But no, she's just stupid and telling Chiana everything and then expecting her not to tell anyone. Yeah, she's like, Chiana, please don't tell anyone that I don't know who the father of my baby is. And Chiana's like, okay, no worries. You got it. I know Aaron's not the most socially adept character, but I really thought this was a thing she was planning and not just her not realizing that it... Chiana is one of the worst people to tell about this. No, no, I still do think that, I mean, she gets mad at Chiana later, but I still do think that this was her plan to get the, the story out to John without mm. having to get the story out to John. Without having talked to him directly. Yeah, yeah. So. And I just want to emphasize that even if the baby is genetically John's, it's not John. The John who is alive is not the John Crichton that Aaron is in love with and had a baby with. That John is dead. Although she has a thing later in this episode about letting the idea that they are two different people go, which I think is an odd character beat, but I also kind of get it. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's an interesting thing to explore in this show, and I, I appreciate that this show does that. The... The fact is that they are two different people, right? Like, what are we except our experiences? And they had two different experiences. That John fell in love with Aaron in a way that that our John, the John who's still alive, did not. As we talked about in the episode Revenging Angel, where he's... Which is a bad episode. But the way that he's visualizing Aaron is not Aaron. We know that. Like, he's not the same John that fell in love with Aaron. But at the same time, the show really emphasizes in any way that matters, they are identical and indistinguishable. So what does it mean to be in love with one and not the other? Like, I... I mean, I really... I like Aaron's thing. I know we should save this for when it comes up, but you know what? We'll have addressed it earlier. (laughs) I like that Aaron talks about it. She's like, thinking of you and that other John as two different people is not helpful like mm-hmm. all it's do- all thinking of you and him as different people all that's doing is making it hard for me so i'm just not going to do it anymore which is uh, i, I want to say valid it's not like you're right they were two different people but also i can see her accepting the lie that they're the same person as something she might have to do to keep moving forward right and and you're right that that's a lie. Like, that John died. Did his death not mean anything? I, in some well, we ways... we got a really good episode out of it. Yes. In some ways, I think that this show took the easy way out by killing him. Like, it would have been a much, much more complicated question if that John was still around. If we had both Johns around. And at the same time... I think that this show is doing a great thing where it's presenting us questions and it's giving us answers, but it's telling us these answers are lies and we know that, like, kind of telling us we don't, we don't have, we don't have a pat answer, but we're going to pretend we do because that's the only way to move on. Yeah. So 
Uh, Dargo's getting ready to fire on, you know, is getting ready to fire on the plant on the ship, but not enough to hurt Moya. Meanwhile, in the kitchen, the witch has spilled hot water on the plant and it flipped out and it went crazy and attacked. And she's like, oh, shooting the plant is just going to really, really piss it off. And she she starts screaming in Sakosu's face. They can't fire on the plant. They can't fire on the plant. And Sakosu is radioing them, but all they hear is fire on the plant. Fire on the plant. Okay, okay. But while they're having this conversation, Dargo and John are having one of my favorite conversations where Dargo's like, John, I need to tell you something really important that I've never said before. I love shooting things. I just really like Dargo. Anyway, they fire on the plant. Yeah, it's just, it's so weird that it cuts out. Well, Lola's, Lola's, um, Lola's speakers have, are, have a drama filter. Yeah, because (laughs) as soon, as soon as they fire on the plant, they start coming through clearly. And just, by the way, the face acting on John and Dargo here is perfect. When it comes through clearly and they're like, don't shoot the plant, they both look at each other and like, of course. Of fucking course. I do really like that the... Like, one of the things about the plant that's digging into Moya is it's making their eyes water like onion. I do really like that. Yeah, because it's like allergens and stuff. Yeah, and it's a really good shorthand for, you know, oh, what we did didn't work. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't have to be like, oh, look, it's still growing. They can just be like, oh, eyes are still watering. That did nothing. Yep, still feels like we're living inside of an onion. And... John pulls on a piece of root that he sees growing from the roof now that they've landed in the, you know, in the bay. And when he pulls down on it, it, like, causes a whole section of the roof to to collapse on them. And they see how much the plant has infiltrated everything. And then Pilot, unnecessarily, like the narrator in Peppa Pig, is like, Moya is in so much pain! By the way, that was a joke just for parents. The narrator in Peppa Pig is so fucking annoyed! We know! We can tell! We have... We can see what Peppa is doing, narrator! Anyway, sorry. He's Sigourney Weaver's character in Galaxy Quest. Even less useful, but yeah. Yeah. I I love her so much. I'm just just repeating the I have one job to do. It's stupid, but I have one job to do. I repeat what the computer says. I love her so much. That was a poorly written episode. It's so, it's really, it's too bad that Tim Allen's in that movie because otherwise it would be perfect. Even though, yes, I'm aware that Tim Allen is literally the perfect person to play a slightly younger William Shatner. (laughs) You had like, you went on a whole little journey there. It's just, I hate Tim Allen so much, but he was the perfect casting for the character of Jason Nesmith. I agree. Like. I agree. I've just enjoyed watching you go on this little journey. I don't want to support him, but it's a, he was cast literally as a character who's a complete douche. So Chiana goes up into the hole to kind of see what she can see. And when she comes down, she's traumatized. She's like, I am not going up there again. She's like. I can feel it all over me. It's on me. I hate it. And they're like, it's okay. Calm down. It doesn't eat flesh. It only eats metal. And it's like, okay, thanks. That's comforting. Mm. If if only there was, a, you know, a whole bunch of metal we needed to survive. Yeah, if only we weren't wrapped. If only this thin layer of metal was not the only thing keeping us from dying in the void of space. Hmm. I wonder if Jewel evolved from this thing. Huh. I wonder if it comes from the planet the jewel is from. Mm. Huh. 
So while Chiana is squirming through the bowels of Moya, she encounters. Wait, she's 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 not squirming through the bowels anymore. It just feels like it because all the lights are out and everything's covered in plants. But she's just walking down the hallways. Yes, she's walking down the weirdly ridged hallways of Moya. Yeah, but they've always been weirdly ridged. It's nothing new. Oh God, the hallways of Moya are the bowels of Moya, aren't they? Yeah. No, no, no. The bowels of Moya is that weird, gross bit underneath Pilot's Den that you can fall into. Oh, I'm talking about it like the bowels of a ship. Okay. Are the service tunnels that you go through. Yeah, no, I, I know it's complicated because Moya is a living creature that actually does presumably have bowels. Yeah, but you meant like, okay, I got you, I got you, I'm with I, you. I was speaking metaphorically, but it kind of falls apart when there are actual bowels involved. Yeah. Anyway, Chiana comes across Dargo and is like, hey, Dargo, I know we're in like a really serious life-threatening situation right now, but I need but, you to ooh, know. did you hear that Aaron's pregnant? And Whoa. It, and it might not be John's. It might not be John's. And Dargo's like, well, even if it was the John Crichton on Talon, it's still John's in like a weird way that I can't really explain. And she's I mean, like, genetics, genetically, it's John's. Yes, but you know, as we just discussed, is and isn't. And she's like, I, I guess technically it would be like your twin brother having a kid. Yeah, no, that's exactly what it'd be like. Yeah. yeah. And Shadow's like, yeah, but it might not be that John Crichton's either. I heard a story about. Two sets of identical twins that, like, married each other. Yeah, and then they had two sets of identical twins that were ge- uh, genetically identical. Yeah. Yeah, I-, I heard that, too. I wonder if it's the same family or if that's just a thing that tends to happen. <laughs> if you're a twin, it's like, you- okay, you know the terrible, terrible thing where it's like, it's just as easy to fall in love with a rich man as a poor man? Sure. You've never heard, like, old women from, like, old mothers in the 50s saying that? Uh, No, but I 10,000% believe it's a thing. So it's like that, except it's like, if you're a twin, it's like, it's just as easy to fall in love with a twin as a singleton. But if you fall in love with a twin, you can do all sorts of cool things, like have cousins who are genetically identical. Is that a cool thing? I think it's cool. Honestly, you know how I said, like, the best part of man is our our desire to explore? Yeah. The worst part of man is our desire to Have sex with twins because it's technically incest. What? No, gross. Yes, it is. No. What? No, you you short-circuited my brain. No, the worst part of humanity is our desire to do uh, unethical psychological experiments on twins because it's like, oh, look, I have a control right here. And I know it sounds glib when I'm saying this, but like, if you look in the history of psychology, psychologists are like the natural enemies of twins. (laughs) Have you, you've seen the, have you seen the documentary Three Identical strangers uh no do you know what it's about it's about yeah. triplets that were separated at birth and adopted out to different families who all by... ended up at the same college they did all end up at the same college that's how they met each other but they were part of a study of multiple births where they separated out the kids and sent them to different families so that they could study different things like that is so unethical and fucked up so sakos is trying to get the witch to find a poison that'll kill the plant and the witch is like I could do that. I know lots of poisons. And Sakosu's like, you sure do. <laughs> Meanwhile, Scorpius is peeing against the wall. He's also trying to get out because, you know, fire's everywhere. He's having this weird moment where he's like looking up and lights falling on him like he's a saint or something. He's looking up at the plant, though, because he's realized something. And the something, by the way, that he's realized is that it's retreating from him because of his... Well, we'll talk about that. 
Yeah. So, so Aaron and uh, Chiana are checking to see that Moya's brain is still uneaten by plants. And Aaron's like, hey, by the way, uh, can you not tell anyone about the whole me being pregnant and the baby not being John's thing because that's supposed to be a secret? And Chiana's like, I promise you that I will not tell anyone else about the secret baby you're having. From this point forward, I won't tell anyone. By the way, I don't know what they're doing with the lighting or whatever in this scene, but Claudia Black has gigantic anime eyes in this episode. It's like... Yeah, it's it's really weird. I mean, I think she looks gorgeous, but I, I almost feel like... I almost feel like they want to make it up to her for last episode where she was, where her character was sick. So they, so she looked terrible, which she should because she was sick. But now they're like, okay, Claudia Black, we are going to make you look fucking gorgeous. Well, remember that, uh, that one part in Once Upon a Time, I think it was, uh, right before the Dark Emma stuff where they, or maybe it was after it, where they started glamming Regina up to like a ridiculous degree and it's like Lana Priya is a beautiful woman, but when you glam up someone who is naturally glamorous and you just kind of keep going, it starts to get kind of freaky at a certain point. I mean, I think we talked about this at the time, but that kind of gorgeous uncanny valley thing is like is right up my alley. I really like it. So you are you are correct. I just don't have a problem with it. Or in the last uh, couple of arcs of For Better or For Worse where Lynn Johnston was, like, really, really glamming up Liz, and it was, like, kind of creepy. Yeah. Yeah. And then she started doing it on Anthony because he looked like a gross, sad sack creep, and she wanted to be like, no, it's a good thing that, uh, it's a good thing Elizabeth's marrying him. Look, I'm drawing him hot now. Doesn't that mean you like Anthony now? I really, 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 really want someone to do, like, a deep dive documentary on for better or for worse like the genesis of how it started and the way lynn johnson like really closely modeled it after her family and then the way she kind of had a fallout with her family and started creating it to be the family she wished she had instead and how that like like it's such an interesting story you know she she had a comic strip that had her kids as characters and then changed what they did in the in the comics, if she didn't like what they did in real life, which is, I believe, part of the plot of Gone Girl. Yes, that's what happens with Amazing Amy. That's what. Yeah, yeah, that is literally the plot of the thriller Gone Girl, or the that's the Joker origin story of Amy. God. I, yeah, I. You know, it's probably not fair to say I want Jamie Loftus to do a deep dive on it because. I might just be saying that because she did the ACK cast, which was her deep dive on Kathy that was so good. Hmm. But Jamie Loftus is a podcaster who does these, like, mini-series podcast documentaries that are so good. And, God, I would really love her or somebody who does that kind of thing to do one on For Better or For Worse. She's local. If I ever run into her, like, on the street, I'll be like, hey, Jamie Loftus, listen to my idea. I'm sure she loves that, right? Yeah, yeah, people totally love when you pitch stuff to them. So Aaron's like, there's no damage done to this neural uh, cluster either, and John comes in with Scorpius and is like, yeah, because it only eats metal. Remember we established that earlier, you know, in this episode? Yeah, it doesn't eat the tubal rays or whatever, but it's important that they checked the brain to make sure, because 
you know, brain, important stuff. But the reason John has Scorpius with him is because he has also realized that the plants are retreating from Scorpius. Mm. But I guess his personality is just that bad. Yep. He's the opposite of Magneto. He has a non-magnetic personality. God. I guess, I guess, I guess a magnetic personality could technically mean you repel people if you are of opposite poles, right? Yeah, that is, that is an accurate statement. And then we get a, oh. And then we get a horror fucking shot. It's, it's really, really disturbing. Ah. It is legitimately hard to watch. Aaron walks into Pilot's room and she walks up to Pilot and Pilot's slouched over and then when she gets close enough, he springs awake and the plant is growing out of him. Yeah. And he's screaming and screaming as the plant is growing out of his mouth. And it is legitimately really, really disturbing to watch. So, yeah. Dargo and John have gone and fetched Scorpius's cooling rods so that they can see if it's the cooling rods that are, you know, causing the thing to happen. And Aaron has brought Scorpius next to Pilot so that she can use him to make the plant retreat even, you know, before they figure out what it is. And she has him, she has him cuffed and he's like, you don't have to cuff me. I also want to save the thing that is the thin shield keeping us from dying in space. She's like, shut up. But yeah, Dargo and John's experiments reveal that it is the cooling rods that make the thing retreat but also dargo wants john to know that shiana told him that aaron is pregnant and john is like oh my god so fucking high school so everyone knows and including rigel apparently rigel knows yep yep and uh and john's like does anyone not know and uh dargo's like moya doesn't know probably but also she's unconscious and like being choked by a plant so yeah so dargo really spills all the beans he's like so aaron doesn't know if it's yours and by yours i mean john Crichton's." and john's like yeah i'm not i'm not naive i knew that it wasn't necessarily john Crichton's." like and dargo's like yeah but also john Crichton isn't you so i feel like this is gonna hurt you no matter what so i think you should just like step away and protect your heart so uh Protect your heart, by the way, is that advice that's, like, pretty much always good advice and also always useless, because how? What does that mean? Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry. Oh, God, this is going to date me very, very specifically. Go ahead. Okay, so at a certain point in my life, I watched a lot of the Yu-Gi-Oh! abridged series. Ah, yes. And there's a bit where one of the characters is having a duel on like a platform that shoots fire at you. If one of your monsters is destroyed or something. Okay. And one of the other characters is trying to advise him through the duel and he keeps on shouting, be careful. (laughs) (laughs) And there's a bit where he gets burned by the fire and he's like, Oh no, he wasn't being careful. Right? Yes. That's what protect your heart is. Yep. There you go. So, Sokozu and Naranti. By the way, we've brought this up before with Naranti, the witch. Mm -hmm. um, But I don't think it can be said enough how much she is obviously a character that the DM is using to make fun of Zan. 
Because she, she goes off on this thing about how the plant is life and life is beautiful, but Moya is life too, and life in all of its forms is beautiful, and we have to protect life even from other life, and Sukosu looks so pissed. Sukosu's just like, can you just make the goddamn poison? Okay, but also, you know the thing where you take, like, Mentos and, uh, and Diet Coke, and you, like, put them both in your mouth? Yes. So that's what Naranti is doing with the plant. She puts the plant in her mouth, and then she drinks some of Scorpius's coolant filter so that she can, like, feel it get killed in her mouth. This isn't... By the way, this isn't a Zan thing. This is just a weird Naranti thing. <clears throat> so that she can feel it get killed in her mouth and figure out what part of the compound it is that kills the plant. I kind of like that her science is all, like, taste bud-based. It feels like everything she does is based on eating shit. And I... You know what? Can relate. Can relate. I love how objectively gross she is. Like, she's very useful, but she's also the grossest person ever. It's weird how, like, her grossness I find really funny and, like, fun. And then Lolan is just disgusting. That's just gross. The jizz in your hands ship. The jizz in your hands ship. Why? Why? Why would Dargo name a ship that only works when he ejaculates inside of it after his dead wife? I'm, I'm, I'm going to quote you on that on Twitter. Okay. I'm giving you credit for that on Twitter. I mean, where's the lie? It, yep, that is the situation. Okay, but speaking of Dargo, this is, this is a moment where he gets to be cool. By not jizzing on someone. Well, he's on Moya now. And also, uh, this he gets to give a reason why you suck speech. He comes down into, like, the circulation chamber and he sees Rigel just all mopey. Rigel's supposed to be checking out the circulation chamber and instead he's all like, Oh, I was the captain when this happened. It's all my fault. And Dargo's like, don't hate yourself for that. Do you have any idea how many things you should be hating yourself for? Including, and not at all limited to moping around right now while the rest of us try to save the fucking day yeah it is a really good speech it is basically it, it, it is a it is a really good speech and it's not a thing i'm a fan of generally even though it really works here you don't like reasons you suck speeches no i do like reasons you suck speeches i don't like it when a show tries to get me to like a character by having them totally take down a character that i'm supposed to like even less okay so the sh- show is not doing that. The show I know the show is not doing that. That's just how it worked out. Yes, but the show already expects you to like Dargo at this point. Yeah. Honestly, I don't know why you don't. I'm fine I, with Dargo. I, mean, I don't have the issues with him. Well, he stopped being the uh, load character. The like warrior character. No, no, the load. The load. The character who exists to make the plot happen by messing everything up. Oh, I've never heard that term. Okay, yeah, yeah. I like how you went with the opposite kind of definition of load. I guess the other spelling too, L-O-D-E instead of L-O-A-D. Yeah. But speaking of Galaxy Quest. <laughs> Why is this here? That episode was badly written. Although at least they don't have to like jump around it. But there are these two like fan things going inside the bowels of Moya. <laughs> yeah. And they have to get around them to something, something, spray of the Scorpius juice well, to kill the plant. They're literally fans. They, like, circulate the air. So they're going to put the Scorpius juice here, and then it will, like, aerosolize ar- around the rest of the ship. Yeah. And they make a point of mentioning how little of the stuff they have. 
Which is weird because if you think about it, that means Scorpius has like an expiration date. At some point in the near future, he was mm. going to run out of coolant rods. Well, yeah, no, I know. Yeah, it's Scorpius. We all know Scorpius doesn't die, but yes. Couldn't they just stick him in like the fridge? I don't think that would work. It's not just... Oh, right, because it, it's his internal temperature that he has to fight against. Yeah, yeah. So Aaron is like, this is not a lot of liquid. Do you think this is going to work? And John's like, we got this. What could go wrong? Fuck what? No, I didn't say that. I take it back. Yeah, the fans pretty much smash up the barrels and then pour all of the juice right down the drain. We, we like, see the fans getting tangled up by the plant, and that's what causes them to break at that moment when John says what could go wrong. And Aaron has been injured by the uh, exploding fan. I guess she's dead now. Bye, Aaron. So doesn't even last past the commercial break. We come back from commercial and she's fine. Well, I mean, that's what commercials are for, right? She's passed out, unconscious, probably dead. Commercial, she comes back, she's sitting up. I'm fine. Leave it be. Don't touch me. I, I'm just upset because Kool-Aid spilled all over my face. <laughs> I mean, it didn't. She was wearing a helmet, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, you mean the blood. The yeah, blood. Yes. Oh, okay. I did. Uh... My, my, my inner helmet Kool-Aid spilled all over my face. <laughs> that's why I looked dead before the... Uh, uh, so, Rigel's like, hey, I'm still captain, abandon ship! And nobody listens to him. Yeah, and Sakos is like, yeah, that really old lady, everyone speaks so, everyone's insulting Naranti all the time. She's like, this old sack of crap found a poison that's super common on the ship that will completely destroy the plant and leave Moya fine. Well, I mean, her, like, little testing thing, she figured out what part of the cooling compound it is that, you know kills the plant and it's something that is readily available in moya's systems so yeah not to be that guy yeah but if moya just naturally generates this stuff which is what seems like it is you know what i don't even want to be that guy i don't want to be that guy why is the plant attacking her nope not doing it anyway for her metal it's uh moya's like um the blowfish that you can only eat one particular part of oh okay okay thank you Thank you for not making me be that guy. I mean, I think it's a stupid plot anyway, because it seems like coolant is what kills the plant. And, uh, you know, it's really, really cold. Space! But... Well, no, no, it's not the coolant. It's this particular chemical in the coolant. Yeah. It's not because it's cold. So, meanwhile... There's... They're talking about who's going to go get the stuff, because it's in a radiation-heavy area. And, oh my god, radiation. This is another thing that the show, that the episode could have really leaned on because as you said john died of radiation poisoning but no we don't get that yeah instead everyone's like well i can't do it because i'll die oh really i can't do it because i'll die and then aaron's like i'll do it and john's like no no pregnant but chiana whips up some like super powerful sunscreen for john he's gonna go out of course he's main character guy i feel like john already died of radiation once yeah, it would be weird if no one brought that up in this episode at all. Although Aaron does kind of talk about later. I mean... It's it's, it's what happened to the real Seymour Skinner. Yeah, Nobody can talk about him again under threat of torture. Bang, bang. Yeah, so it's going to be John and Chiana doing this. And by the way, uh, Chiana mentions that she's, like, immune to radiation. It's why she's gray, essentially. Yeah, like, she's like, can't tan, can't burn either. Which I like. It's like, basically, she's like, yeah, my species isn't naturally gray. I'm just, I, I mean, it is naturally gray, but we're naturally gray because we're essentially 
you know. We're gray for a scientifically explainable reason. That's what I like. Yeah. So John's spraying it through a different vent. It's venting. Uh, One of the DRDs is freed. I do kind of like the bit where Rigel tells Scorpius, if we're all going to die, please try to die first so I can have a little bit of pleasure before I die. (laughs) Uh, And Rigel, by the way, is next to Pilot so that he can, like, tell everyone when Pilot's awake and everything's okay. Um, Scorpius mentions that radiation doesn't affect him either, and he is also a, a, you know, gray, not gray, he's like white alien. Yeah. Just interesting. Interesting that they decided to throw that in there. DRDs are free. It's a whole kit and caboodle. New wormhole coming in. So that they're they, they're going to drive the the plant thing through the new wormhole. So new wormholes coming in. They're going to kind of throw the thing off. Uh, Pilot starts panicking because they're too close to wormhole and, you know, the plant thing that just happened. He tries to he tries to kill Rigel, which... Fair. A whole bunch of stuff has gone wrong. It's just, it's a lot of stuff happening. This is just the part of the episode where stuff happens. So the plant is ejected into space, day is saved, blah, blah, blah. And now that everybody is safe... uh... It's time for the election that this episode is named after, but has, you know, been mentioned once, maybe. There are literally, there are literally five minutes left in the episode. So Rigel voted for himself. The voting's anonymous, but there's one vote for Rigel. Obviously, that's from Rigel. There's one vote for the Universe Eternal, the witch, obviously. We're making fun of Xan. And one vote for Scorpius. Hi, Sokozu. I do like that Pilot mentioned that uh, Scorpius is not... Uh, he didn't get a vote. He's not eligible to vote. Yeah. Oh, also, by the way, when when he reads off that one vote for Sokozu, like, Scorpius and Sokozu share, like, a sexy look. They're like, he's like, hey, baby. And she's like, I got you, daddy. Anyway, the captain's Dargo. And Dargo has this weird, like, whoa moment. Um, try not to ejaculate inside this ship, Dargo. Jesus. Or, like, only, uh, only in, only in proper ejaculation spaces, like your own quarters. No, he's reprogrammed Moya so that now he has to ejaculate on people so that they can use the ship. Not speaking of that, thank God. We have I mean, a- we are speaking of where, where ejaculation happens, aren't we? And, and from whom? So Aaron and John have the conversation that they've been putting off for like two episodes. And Aaron's like, look, I know that uh, it might not be your baby, but it might be your baby. And John's like, well, not my baby. And Aaron's like, you know what? That thing we talked about earlier. <laughs> like, you know what? You are John Crichton. That's the only thing that matters. You are the only John Crichton that matters because you're the only one who's still alive. So we're just not going to talk about the other guy anymore. Under threat of torture, no one will talk about the other John Crichton ever again. I mean, you were right to bring up the other Skinner thing because she's like, in my mind, there is no longer any distinction. You are Crichton. We shall never talk about the other John Crichton. She also clarifies that Apparently, a thing with sebations is that uh, because military is so much in their DNA, if a sebation woman gets pregnant, her body just kind of hangs on to the embryo until it's a convenient time to actually have a baby. They can hold on to an embryo for up to seven years if they're in the middle of combat. So, yeah, this she she could be pregnant from that guy she killed. Yeah. 
Like, and John, John, you can tell John is like, Jesus Christ, Aaron, I was ready for you to be pregnant with Crace's baby, but I was not ready for this. This. And he tells her, like, look, I love you. I will always love you. I, I, I will always love you. But this isn't a tenable situation for us romantically. I love you, but I don't trust you. And I can't be with someone I don't trust. I would put my life in your hands, but not my heart. And oh my God. Speaking of The Simpsons, look, if you watch in slow motion, you can see the very second her heart rips in half. I mean, look at her. Uh, Although that goes back to what I said before, right? Protect your heart is great advice that is completely unfollowable. And Aaron's like, what do I have to do to get you to trust me? And John's like, I don't know. Like, when you can tell me everything, when you can be honest with me, then maybe we could be together. But I need to trust you first, and that's going to take a lot of work. Look, I know, oh my god, Jesus Christ, I know we praise Claudia Black a lot, and that is never going to stop. The look on her face is so perfect, because it conveys, like, everything. Like, heartbreak that he's saying this distress that this is somehow her fault because of the way that she's approached their relationship anger and disbelief because what else was she supposed to do and just despair and then a single tear like fucking claudia black oh you know what i want to see claudia black holly marie combs face acting off yeah, so that's it. I believe that will bring us to our segments. That will bring us to our segments. We have several segments based on John's opening monologue. Our first segment is a distant part of the universe. What world building worked for you in this episode? Okay, I guess it's the thing about the witch being able to uh, figure out poison stuff just by putting stuff in her mouth. I feel like this is the first time we've really got how, like... Taste-based her powers are? Well, we, we, we know how, like, gross her powers are, but this is just a really fun application of, like, her being a species that can just do biology and chemistry or whatever in your mouth like that. I'm surprised that your thing is not the fact that you have a different accent when you're speaking a different oh, language with I the do. translator microbes. I do really love that. Mine is honestly the thing we learned about sebaceans, where their their bodies just stay... You know, in that the embryos just chill for seven years until they're ready to be pregnant. I like this. Up to seven years. Up to seven. Up to seven years, right? And one of the reasons I like this as a concept is it tells us that when Aaron was on Talon with the other John is the moment that she felt safe and secure enough that her body was like, okay, we're not in a war anymore. It's it's okay to be pregnant. Even though she was, like, things hadn't really changed except that she was with John and in love and felt safe. Like, that's a really powerful indication. Like, I I like that little thing, that little, like, a little tell of sebation bodies. Our second segment is Strange Alien Creatures, which is what puppetry worked for you. What, What puppets or... Nothing. The only really new thing was the plant, and it was fine, but, like, it was it was a plant goo. So we didn't have anything new, but I really respect that Rigel's Where Are the Stars 
landed in like a horrific way, despite the fact that, you know. Weird little fish man. He's a weird little fish man. Our final segment is The Wonders That I've Seen. What emotionally resonated with you this episode? Was it an Aaron and John moment? Actually, no. And this is going to be kind of contrary to what I believe the spirit of this is, but what really emotionally connected with me was the horror of pilot of the pilot puppet being filled with the plant stuff and just screaming and screaming. That touched me emotionally in a horrifying and deep way. It's one of the freakiest things I think I've seen on this show. Yeah, that I I I have to look away during that sequence. It's so fucked up. I'm also not going to choose a John and Aaron moment, even though the last moment is really powerful. And Claudia's acting is... I just called her Claudia like I know her. You know, Claudia, you know, Claude and I. No, Claudia Black's acting is so amazing. But that moment, I have trouble with it because John is being such a fuckboy. Like, fuck off, John. Fuck off. So... So for me, it's, uh... Targo giving Rigel his reason you suck speech. That is pretty great. Yeah, that's... It's a strong moment. And like the whole you weren't you weren't failing as a human when space tried to kill us. That's what space does. You're failing as a captain here and now whining about it instead of getting shit done. It's like that quote from Project Runway that just stays with me all the time. I like think about it so often. It's from a group project that people were doing in season two. And the the group project, one of the team members was really upset and she was kind of off being like upset while the project had to get done and her teammate says to her look you can cry and cut but you have to keep cutting she was cutting the pattern you have to cut at that speed the speed that you are crying has to be the speed that you are cutting and i'm like yeah you can cry but you have to cry and cut so yeah that's this yeah, that'll about do it. That's this episode. Next time we're talking about John Quixote. Crichton and Chiana become trapped in an alien video game that's based on events and people from Crichton's past. Okay. It's going to be amazing. Okay. Aren't you excited to see Aaron in a giant blonde wig doing a southern accent? No. I'm <laughs> I'm sorry. Farscape has kind of burned me out on wacky episodes. Oh, well, got bad news for you for next time. Ugh. Our show is partially listener-supported. If you want to be one of the supporters, you should head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Rosa, Ryan, Maricruz, Benjamin, Kate, Jen, and Dan. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. We can also be contacted at ilovetelevisionzines at gmail.com or on Twitter at ilovetvzines. So until next time, I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And this has been Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. <laughs>